Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. Hello, Montana. The Big Ten is back. The Nuggets pull the upset. And from the Southern Hemisphere to the Lady Grizz, it is Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Outstanding to be with you on this very nice Wednesday afternoon. Hope you are having a spectacular day. We are thrilled to be with you, as always, on ESPN and across the state on SWX Montana Television. And if that is not a wide enough net for you, well, we can cast an even wider one. It goes around the whole earth. It's called the World Wide Web. You go to our website, 1029ESPN.com. You can listen live on the stream the stream is there all the time anytime you would like it the stream is available thanks to our friends at opportunity bank of montana opportunity bank your local bank your opportunity you want to pick up your phone and call you can do that as well we encourage that around here 361-3688 361-3688 all guests join us via the Rangish brothers rv phone line you can call in you can also text in we are happy to have you interact with the show any way you would like to you can also do it on the social medias at gus to tell at 1029 
99 ESPN at Skyline Sports MT. Those are your relevant Twitter handles. Go follow those and uh, play along in the Twitter sphere as well. We will start today. We talked about the likelihood, the expectation that the Big Ten would come back. Today we speak about the certainty that the Big Ten is back uh, in, this for, in the sport of football. And uh, we have some at least specifics on, on the outline of how they're going to go about doing this. They're going to start playing football October 24th is the plan that weekend. And so we will get into this and what that means for college football at large. And if that has a chance to spread. Now the, the reversal of an initial decision to, uh, to postpone the fall season uh, has been on done and now that there's precedent for that can that president be stretched to other places it's also a wednesday we're going to give you wings over to the desperado sports tavern i'm going to try and uh, quiz colter a little bit give him some uh, trivia questions to get into so we'll go through that we also will get into at the top of the hour very excited about this our espn roundtable with naya morris nelson and lauren mills they are two transfers to the lady grizz basketball team they are from australia uh, one from gold coast australia the other one from tasmania but but as you will learn, Tasmania is a state of Australia, though it is not connected to Australia itself. So we will uh, talk to both of them about their experience of both uh, playing, you know, growing up playing basketball down under. And then, interestingly enough, both played college basketball in Iowa, though not with each other and never knew each other, never met one another until a month ago. And they uh, both landed as members of the Lady Grizz. And they have the distinction of being the first two scholarship members of the Montana Lady Grizz that are international players. Never happened before uh, these two. So we got a chance to talk with them. They are the uh, subjects of our ESPN roundtable. We will get into NBA Game 7 and the uh, amazing comeback that was or the despondent choke job that was the Western Conference semis between the Nuggets and the Clippers. Phenomenal stuff out of Denver awful stuff out of the Los Angeles Clippers. So we will go through that uh, as well. So there you go. That is the show for you today. Coulter, glad you made it. Nice to see you. How are you? I hate that spin, man. I hate when it's always about... I didn't. I team, gave it both. Te- I gave team. them both. This always seems to rise, though, when the team that the pundits thought were going to be good folds in big-time series. We always try to spin it as, why did the Clippers lose? How did the Clippers blow this? How about the fact that Nikolai Jokic is one of the best players in the NBA, period? Nikolai Jokic is better than Paul George, period. Period. We'll get there. That's not a hot take. I know it's not. I mean, that... But yes. it is It is a hot take for, I think, average NBA fans because I no. think that so many people that watch the NBA are completely and utterly... They have a, an inability to look at the game beyond who puts the ball in the basket. The, 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 the difference in all of this is that they have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who is... Uh, after AD and LeBron, probably the best one-two punch in the NBA, they were built to win. They had a 3-1 series lead, and they lost it. They were the favorites, not just because they are the, the odds-on favorites, but because they were the—I mean, we talked about this beforehand. The Bucks, the Lakers, and the Clippers, those were the three teams that were above everybody else when you sat here and go, who are the most likely, you know, the most likely teams to get there? And they were on the doorstep. They're up 16 in Game 5 and 19 in Game 6, and they blow them both. So there is— most definitely a choke element to this, How? What, even though I am also very much on board with giving all the credit in the world to the Denver Nuggets, who were spectacular and who have a a developing one-two punch that is, that is going to be very good for a long time. And I'm with you. Jokic is better than Paul George. It's better. The NBA bubble 
is the great for for basketball purists and the sanctity of the game. The NBA bubble is the greatest thing that ever happened to the NBA. Okay, because it's putting to rest the notion that only superstars who dribble the ball till it goes flat can help you win NBA championships because that's in fact never been the case and this is putting it on full display makes me so happy that I know that there is one kind of super team in the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals but mostly it's two guys and then a cast of characters for the Lakers but then the other three teams I think you could argue I know they have rising stars no question and guys that are talent wise just baseline talent wise excellent but great teams with great coaches and that is such a great thing for the NBA. It's returning to what makes basketball so great, the art of the beautiful game. I mean, Nikolai Jokic, you can you can make fun of him for his non-expressions and just his stone-cold demeanor. But he's one of the most beautiful players in the history of the league. He is, he his is aesthetic appeal is not, but the way he plays the game is unbelievable. I, I can't disagree. wait to talk about it. I think he's I think he's going to be selling suits very very soon. <laughs> Get him in there, you know. Uh, all right, Coulter. Uh, let's though before we get into all of that, get into this, and that is that the Big Ten is going to be playing football, and this is notable. We talked about this to some extent, actually, a fair amount yesterday, but it's notable first of all because it's official now that we're you know as of now the one we're on the air. Uh, they will kick off the football season October twenty fourth, so they have five weeks to to basically get ready uh, to play actual games. It was a unanimous vote by the presidents and chancellors of the the member institutions of the Big Ten. Uh, There was a stronger confidence in the latest medical information that they uh, have received according to what they released. Now, it's not a surprise that they would say that. doesn't mean it's not true, but there's a lot more factors than just the quote-unquote safety or the pandemic that is going into this decision. Now, each team is going to try and play eight games in eight weeks, and then there will be a Big Ten championship weekend, but it's going to involve all the all the teams, but it's going to be 1v1, 2v2. You know, they it's broken up east and west, right, for the, for the Big Ten with, uh, you know, Michigan, Penn State on one side, Wisconsin, Nebraska on the other side. So, However they shake out, the top seeds will play each other. But but the de facto Big Ten championship game, obviously, will be whatever team is the number one team from each side of this thing playing each other. But all the teams in the Big Ten evidently are going to be playing on that, that weekend in Big Ten championship weekend, which will be December the 19th. And also is the day before the football playoff selection uh, is made on then December 20th for who's going to be in that. And this is something that that is assumed and presumed to be the case. But actually, until until it's interesting that it isn't just a, uh, you know, just automatic. But the other conferences notably the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12, who are all playing, actually get to vote on whether to allow the Big 10 to be involved in the playoff. That's right. Uh, They will. They will. Certainly they will, but that does need to happen. The the thing that does, that that it leaves an open question on this is they're going to play nine games in nine weeks, and that, of course, assumes that things go basically as planned. And 
Well, nothing's gone as planned in 2020. That said, as we head into week two of the NFL season, as we head into week kind of week three slash four of the college football season, even though the SEC has not even started playing football yet, uh, we haven't we haven't come to a place where it's like, oh my goodness, you know, are they even going to be able to play? Like we know they're playing the NFL this weekend. We know that this college football slate, such as it is, is going to be played this weekend. The only you know, other quote unquote news that I've heard is what we discussed yesterday out of LSU when Ed Ogeron said, yeah, over half of my players got COVID-19 and I still haven't gotten resolution to that because it was such a, a, a mysterious comment. The way that he made it, he didn't say it the way that I've said it now. And he was sort of alluding to that at, at some point in the past, they've had it said that he didn't think it would affect their availability or be able to play, but was sort of almost mentioning it in passing, which seems like more of a headline news story, but I don't know. He's Eddie O and he does his own sort of you know, Bayou thing at Ogeron does. In any case, aside from that, if we can sit here and assume that things are going pretty well, that the testing is going to be carried out well, and that these, these you know, these athletes are as safe to playing this sport or being with their teams than they would be just sort of out in the wider world. Uh, this is a, this is a good news day, right? I mean, this is, this is great to be able to have the big 10 involved uh, in, in college football this fall. And notably it is the first reversal of a cancellation or postponement or whatever of fall football. And it's already happening here on the 16th of September, man. I mean, we're pretty late in the calendar for that to be happening, but it has happened. And you wonder if that opens the door for other conferences to make the same decision. I'm so fascinated to see how this impacts the national narrative around the pandemic. The fact that there is a national narrative around a pandemic is a referendum on us as a society in general, but I'm so interested to see what this impact has because I think that there's certain elements of bravery and courage that this takes, but also certain elements of reinforcing rationale and reinforcing responsible behavior. I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to give my opinion on any of that, but the fact that we had massive multi-billion dollar events postponed slash canceled, and now because of whatever side you want to believe, the naysayers, the haters, they'll say the Big Ten didn't want to get sued by the players. They didn't want to get sued by the guys who had already opted out. They didn't want to get sued by guys who had potential NFL careers that they said were being thwarted by the fact that they couldn't play. Or then... The more rational side of this argument will say, well, the Big Ten has some of the premier research institutions in the United States of America, and they have made some pretty big medical progress over the last couple weeks and months to bring this thing back around. But either way, I'm so interested to see how this influences the narrative in this country when it comes to the pandemic. As far as the Ed Orgeron comments yesterday, I think one thing that has gotten glossed over is that at universities, health records, individual health records in almost every state in the country are protected by privacy laws. It's up to the university to release the numbers or not. Mm. There's some universities, including the University of Montana, that have been under some heat for not releasing numbers. <coughs> Side note, great reporting by the Montana Kaiman. Student journalism still rocking strong at the mm-hmm. University of Montana, but they were able to get 
some numbers from the Curry Health Center about the amount of coronavirus tests that have come back positive at the University of Montana. I think 24 tests on campus so far that have come back positive from Curry Health Center. But again, the individuals are not named, so you have no idea if these are student athletes or not. That's here nor there. The point of the story is Ed Orgeron can make open-ended comments like that, and it can imply either one, that they're not that worried about it, or two, even if these guys got it, you're never going to know about it. They had it. You didn't know. Here we are. Everybody seems to be feasibly okay. Move forward. That's not part of this exact conversation, though. ESPN.com, great article by Adam Rittenberg and Heather Dinich. A couple quick-hitting questions about this situation, I think, that can kind of guide us through this conversation. You mentioned the fact that the Big Ten still has to be approved to make it to the college football playoff. Right. We both expect that to happen. Yes. But this timeline puts it on an October 24th start date, a Big Ten championship on December 19th. Eight games is what the schedule is going to be. They're going to roll that out here pretty soon. All 14 teams in the Big Ten are going to be playing. So those are kind of just the numbers of this whole thing. The number one question in this article, what was the most important factor in the Big Ten vo- in the Big Ten voting to decide to play? The medical information and resources around COVID-19 improved significantly, especially the availability of the rapid testing program. That's the key. Mm. Daily testing is going to start. And this was and everybody that says the Big Ten made a knee-jerk reaction. They shouldn't have ever canceled the thing. They shouldn't have ever postponed anything. Well, the rapid testing wasn't available on an affordable level. And granted, nothing's not affordable for Michigan and Ohio State. But it was not available when they made this decision, and now it is. So on September, starting on September 30th, now you're going to have rapid testing, which is done via saliva rather than up the nose, and you can turn it around every single day. And that is a real material difference from that date to this date, some some progression in the situation. Exactly, and that's what I'm talking about when it comes to um, personal responsibility. I mean, we've seen it with the NBA. Everybody had to be tested to get into the bubble, and then as soon as you're in the bubble... Everyone obeys the rules. Conventional wisdom says that there's no way that you can get sick. If everybody is just in the bubble with each other and just going to their hotel rooms, it only takes one person to screw up the whole thing. But I think the personal responsibility that's been on display has been tremendous. I think you've seen that with the NFL, too. I mean, as of, I think, the NFL on Friday, before the opening weekend, released statistics, more than 54,000 individuals, whether they were front office people, trainers, weight coaches. 54,000 individual tests. Right, of the of the several thousand total members, sure. team, players, coaches, et cetera. Negative. Right. And, and, that, and that's what it takes because if you know everyone's negative, that's the easiest way to protect. That's what we've been arguing about this whole time. Mm-hmm. If you only Football are, has a much bigger challenge because of the traveling and the going from city to no city question. and that kind of thing, but you're right. But there, that, but, that, that's but, the key. But the, the risk is only if you bring people that you don't know if they're positive or not across the country to play a football game. If everybody has tested negative, there is no risk. I mean, if every person that's going to be exposed to each other has a positive test within the last 24 hours, which is what these stipulations are going to bring to the surface, then there's no possible way to acquire a virus, right? All, all I'm saying is if you're traveling across the country, and I realize you're in a charter, but you're going from a chart, you know, you're, you're moving around, you're going different places, different states, different countries. I don't think it's zero. The point is, though, it is very, very safe. I think the chances are, the percentages are very low. I'm, I'm splitting hairs on this, okay? I get that. It's on me. Locations and politics also had a huge influence on this decision. Ohio State, Nebraska, Michigan, they've been pushing hard to come back and play. Mm-hmm. But to do that, you needed to have everybody involved, or at least uh, I'd, say, I'd say probably 11 out of 14. 
Oh, uh, yeah. Teams? Ease at least. I mean, well, I, I think it's. Well, needs 14 to be. out of 14 is what it needed to be. Yeah. Right? And everybody was wondering Rutgers, mm. which is in New Jersey, huge metropolitan area, Northwestern in Chicago, Illinois in Champaign, pretty close to Chicago, Maryland, right outside Washington, D.C. How are those schools going to get clearance from their state governments, the state restrictions? Well, that's where the rapid testing comes in. The emergence of the reliable rapid testing options help the schools present those things to their state government and ease the, the restrictions. A couple other the important questions. Uh, like I said, 14 teams are going to be are, are going to play. They still need to be approved to get back into the college football playoff. But one of the most important ones, 10 Big Ten players had already opted out of this upcoming season in hopes of then pursuing an NFL career. You got guys like Micah Parsons, who's expected to be one of, if not the top defensive player in the in the country, drafted next year out of Penn State. Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota, he's the number one receiver in the country. Sean Wade out of Ohio State, he's the number one corner coming into the NFL draft. Uh, Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern, he's largely considered, he's the reigning Remington Trophy winner, and he's largely considered the best center in the country. And then a variety of other guys as well, who are all projected as top 50 picks. Those guys all opted out. That's going to be a little bit murky for them to come back. If they didn't hire an agent, it's all good. You're back in. But I imagine a guy like Micah Parsons, who right now Todd McShay has the as the number five overall pick. If he opts out at Penn State, he he probably hired an agent, right? I mean, you got to strike while the iron's hot. But I don't know. I don't have any confirmation of that. So uh, that's going to be an interesting deal. But guys like I, I mentioned, Sean Wade from from Ohio State and uh, Rondell Moore from Purdue, one of the top receivers in the draft. Neither one of those guys has hired agents. That's confirmed. So they'll be, probably be able to return. And the last key point here is what does this mean for the Pac-12? And I think that uh, Pac-12 commissioner today made a statement that there's been a fundamental misunderstanding of the regulations that are being enforced specifically by the state of California. The state of California has not said that Teams cannot play. That's not ever been said. The governor of California has never said college football cannot happen. Mm -hmm. The misperception exists because the NCAA has said if you don't have on-campus classes, you cannot participate in extracurricular activities. That could be something that becomes readdressed, but I just don't really know. I think that the Pac-12 is alone here yeah. in this and I just I don't really think that they're going to push because I think the logistics of it are just too difficult. Let me ask you two things using this as a jumping off point not specifically about the Big Ten returning to play okay the first is now you address this about the Pac-12 but do Be- you- before you ask this question just yeah. one other note of breaking news that just came along my Twitter timeline college basketball which yeah. has been up in the air the return of college basketball has been confirmed November 25th yeah that's so what I the think recommendations teams, teams will be able to start uh, November 1, practicing full-fledged, and then start rolling November 25th. It's going to be interesting for a lot of the schools out west because, as we know, almost every school out west, state universities at least, are have decided to send kids home before Thanksgiving That's right. and have an elongated Christmas break. That could be a pretty interesting factor for college basketball, though. If you have no school for the entire first seven weeks of your season, that could go a lot of different ways. Yeah. That could make it a lot better, a lot worse. I don't really know. Well, and also, it's still worth noting, as far as I'm aware, the Pac-12 has not changed their stance that they're not playing basketball until until the first of the year and then only conference basketball, right? So, 
you know, even though this is a national edict that is that is being uh, recommended at this point, is that that generally the recommendation is accepted, so you can kind of take that. But uh, I don't know that that changes a lot for a lot of teams, especially in the Big Sky Conference, that had or, or were expected to be playing games against the Pac-12. The Pac-12 would have to change and move up their start date, which seems like they're fairly reticent to do. Okay, so my two questions are this. It's 2 tell new on this 102.9 ESPN Radio as it pertains to the Big 12. You address this Big as... Ten. Big Ten, excuse me. Yep. You address this as it pertains to the Pac-12, yep, yep. but does this open the door for other conferences, whether it's the MAC or, yes, whether it might be the Big Sky, to readdress or reopen even the question of playing in the fall? I think the answer is both yes and no. I think it's a, a completely a individual financial analysis for each institution. I do not expect under any circumstances, none, for the Big Sky to come back in full force. Yes. Because I don't think that a team like Portland State wants to play any sort of game unless those games are the games against Oregon State and Washington State that got canceled off their schedule. It's it's a different thing for like but I do think that schools like Montana, Montana State now, if the Pac twelve were to come back, that might give Montana, Montana State a little bit of courage as well as a little bit of foresight to maybe try to schedule a game or two, you know, play someone somewhere depending on what the health department says you, you can do. Mm-hmm. But as we've seen, we're, we're almost a month into high school football in Montana, and there's been no community spread whatsoever linked to high school football. Mm-hmm. So if that's the model, and you just want to get an exhibition game in or two, and then that helps you get under the NCAA rules that you could have in-season practice mode right now, that's what Jeff Choate was saying on this show yesterday. Yeah, although that, that might happen anyway. I mean, it, it sounds might. like they're going to go to a spring model with 20-hour week sure. coming up soon in the next couple of days but yeah point point well taken okay the second question is this um this has this doesn't change anything uh to that i'm aware as it pertains to uh, the waiver of of right eligibility and basically just making this a zero year for everybody and that everybody's going to return next year with the exact same eligibility that they entered this year with i don't think that that's going to change but it's interesting now that four out of five Power five conferences are playing football. They're presumably playing headed towards a national championship. Certainly. Presumably playing headed towards a relatively full slate of bowls, although I don't know, you know, what the whole bowl situation is going to be. I think it's going to be pretty individually, you know, case-by-case basis. Um and then, and then everybody could just redo it. Now, there's plenty of guys that are going to go to the league, right? Trevor Lawrence ain't coming back again, even though he's got an extra year. Sure. He's going to go, you know, go play in the NFL. And there's going to be guys that do that. But there's a lot of guys that are going to play like six years of college football out of this thing, man. And 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 there is, and just just go for it, right? And they're going to be twenty. It's going to be like BYU across the board here. A bunch of twenty four, twenty five year old guys in the next couple of years just out there playing football. I think it's going to be an interesting analysis for folks that follow college football because I think that you've always said, that, man, I think it would be so great to play college football. No matter what my role is on a team, it would be so cool to run out of the tunnel at Washington Grizzly Stadium or Bobcat Stadium, just be a part of this awesome community event. I think when you play, by and large, at places like Montana, Montana State, especially if you're a Montanan, it is an awesome experience no matter what. I think that across the country, though, 241 Division One programs, I think that as often as not, the experience is not great. It's mm-hmm. not excellent. 
it's not that cool to play at San Jose State unless you're like a real deal all Mountain West type player. Yeah. So I'm so interested to see. I think there's this this massive. Uh, Jeff Chope mentioned from Montana State that if everybody returns, he'd have 44 seniors on his roster next year. Well, that ain't happening. Yeah, that ain't happening. Well, and especially at this level uh, where you guys they got plans, man. They they weren't they weren't planning on doing anything but finishing their college career and then moving on into the private sector, whatever's coming next. Kid like Michael McGinnis for the Grizzlies. He's a great player. He was, a, he was an intriguing prospect coming out of Sydney. Then he developed into a guy that was on the depth chart, and he was getting some special teams run. He made some tackles on kickoff. A guy that looked like he had a bright future, but also a guy that, when he walked on to the Grizzlies, was on, I think, almost, if not a full ride academically. He's passed so many AP classes in high school that he's way ahead of the curve when he comes here. And so then, basically, coming back into this year, he's like, well... You know, I only got a couple capstones left, and I landed this sweet internship, and and like I have to take this class that's going to help me graduate, so I can go to grad school. And he had to tell the coaches, like, I love it, but I, I got to go. This is my life over this, here. This is my yeah, life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a kid like Brian Campbell from Montana State, he was a a high academic kid coming out of Kent, Washington, and he's the only guy I've ever seen that got a, pa- a free pass from the the ball coach to basically miss the f- first two weeks of fall camp without being in trouble for it. Because he was finishing up an internship at Boeing. He's like creating spaceships. And so <laughs> Choate was like, well, yeah, that's good. You know, your 4.0 GPA is great for my APR. And also, you're smarter than everybody. You're only going to be the third string safety at best anyways. It's all good. Just finish that up. And like a guy like that, or a kid like Colin Hammock, for example, from Missoula Sentinel. He was a walk-on for the Cats. But he graduated in three and a half years. He wants to go to medical school. I think he got the, the presidential award as the yeah. top scholar athlete in the entire university. There's going to be so many guys like that, though, where it's not, there's no bad blood. It's not because they had a miserable experience. They're just like, man, I'm done with college. I'm just going to move on. And I think that there's going to be, if you were assuming that every guy that had extra eligibility is going to return, I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think it'll be 50 50, maybe a little higher than that. But mostly, I think it's just going to be, there'll be guys that graduate, guys that don't want to come back from injuries, guys that are just over it, guys that see this opportunity to just move on with their lives. There's a variety of factors that go into it. I, I, you're absolutely right. There's going to be plenty of guys who, who choose not to do it, but there's going to be a lot of guys that do, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that breaks down. Stu Tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. On the other side, boys and girls, we're going to get you wings. That's right, wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern. I got some questions for Coulter. He's going to do, we're going to do a little uh, friend-friend trivia here, try and stump the Schwab, so to speak, with Coulter, <laughs> and you're nice. going to be the winner with uh, a little bit of uh, uh, sauce and some some wings from the best wings. Well, where you get the best wings? I'm going to say, well, it's a Desperado, okay? So we'll do that right after this. Chris Polaris. They're at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula and Highway 83 in Sealy. It is the time of year you want to get outside, okay, get out of town, maybe scout your hunting camp, maybe you got work to get done, you can do a little bit of work up in the mountains, some logging, maybe you got some ranching, whatever it might, maybe you just want to have a good time. You want to go fast, how about a couple of, how about a couple of dirt bikes, right? Beta and Husqvarna dirt bikes, tops in the industry, brand new. Kurtz Polaris. They also have the spectacular line of Polaris side-by-sides. The Ranger, the Razor, the General. And a whole, you can get about 55 people in a General if you really work at it. Man, that thing will carry everybody. You also still get your boats there, too. How about that? I mean, that's to, you true true off-road includes the lake, does it not? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Get Crest Pontoon Boats over at Kurtz Polaris. Kurtz Polaris, again, two locations in western Montana, Highway 83 in Sealy and 2904 West Broadway in Missoula. Summer, fall, every season, the way you always envisioned with Kurtz Polaris, online at KurtzPolaris.com.
Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot. Connect to more. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television at Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN at Skyline Sports MT there on the Twitter. Coulter, it is time for a little bit of uh, trivia, you and I, and some wings for one lucky listener. Let's give them the wings right now. 361-3688, you want to call in. Caller number two, going to get wings to the Desperado. You don't have to do anything. Just call in, get them from Reese, and he'll get you set up, get your information from you, and we'll send you a gift card to go down to the Desperado of the best wings in the city. And, well, they are that, Coulter. Hot, yeah. hot teriyaki, man. They absolutely are the best. They are. One piece of um, extrapolation from the last segment. Okay. I mentioned that nowhere has the California governor ruled that football games cannot be played. And, in fact, the California governor and the Pac-12 commissioner both echoed the same sentiment. Games for California schools can be played in California. Okay. Here's the giant disconnect and the giant issue. And I won't. I'll leave my opinion out of this. Will you? You'll know what the opinion is because it's just asinine. The health departments across the <laughs> the health departments across the state have said though that eleven on eleven football games can be played, but practice in no form or fashion can be conducted unless you have groups of six or less. So they're basically implying that if you want to have any sort of practice, they said you can do virtual reality, tackling dummies, practice against air quote-unquote mental exercises and the most competition you can have is five on five seems not like the adequate way to prepare for a power five fbs college football season okay i don't i i have no opinion uh coulter what i do have is some trivia questions for you all right, you ready for this? Can we do a little wing it Wednesday here? You and I just having a little fun, like just friends like we do. Well, I mean, this is basically just what we do anyways, right? I sit here and say, hey, did you know this? And you go, yeah, yeah, I knew this. And let me tell you 10 more things about this, okay? So you and I, that's what we're going to do right now is, okay. uh, is our have our, have ourselves a little fun, all right? Can't wait. Boy, some chicken wings would really hit the spot. Tell me likey. Tell me want wingy. All right, here we go, Coulter. Question number one. We're going to start with a little bit of NBA basketball. From last night, the uh, Clippers eliminated in humiliating fashion, and uh, the Denver Nuggets were outstanding. They deserve a ton of credit, and the L.A. Clippers are choking dogs. How many points did Paul George have last night? (laughs) My my brother has now renamed Paul George. His nickname is now PG-13% because that seems to... (laughs) That seems to be the effort level that he gives in um, big games. Paul George drives me nuts. Nuts. Because sometimes when he gets it, gets, gets it rolling, I'm like, man, this dude, this dude is the dude. But he just, he he 
folds in big moments. Yes, he does. He's never wanted to be the leader. I think that's why he's he couldn't get it done in Indiana. He hitched his wagon to Russell Westbrook. That was the best individual season he's ever had, despite being the second-best player on his own team. He still finished third in the MVP. But last night, I thought his uninspired effort did what I thought was the unthinkable coming into this game. It even affected Kawhi Leonard. And I think that Kawhi Leonard is the best big game, best game seven player in the NBA. But that notion went by the wayside last night. I think you actually actually have to say Jamal Murray is the best game seven player in the NBA at this exact moment. Just, Just this moment in time. But... Regardless, Paul George in his 10 points last night. 10 points is correct. Did not do the Clippers any favors. He had 35, I think it was his high water mark in this postseason, 33 in this series. He had 10 points twice in this series. He had 9 points once going back to the uh, first round of the playoffs. He averaged 21.7 points, which is eh, but it's okay if you are actually making 22 points a game. He was so up Stats and down. Stats are for losers, though, and man. And also just, I mean... Where, where this team's supposed to be the best defensive team we've seen in how how long? And they were awful, all of them, awful defensively. Beverly, Kawhi, the whole lot is unbelievable to watch. We're going to get into the analysis of that element of it a little bit more a little bit later because, uh, in my opinion, uh, Jokic is the best option quarterback in the entire NBA. I mean, the Denver Nuggets are straight up running the option. That's what they're running. When, when Jokic gets in the high post and then he – breaks down the defense, mm-hmm. and he can shoot the 15-foot floater, or he can hit the cutter on the other side, or kick to the corner. It's like running the triple option. You literally can't stop it if the, the quarterback makes the right decision. The Clippers were completely out of sorts. But stats aside, points aside, Paul George's utter lack of emotion and care, Kawhi Leonard gets away with that because that's just him. Yeah, Paul George, he you could just tell he's uninspired. At least guys like when Russell Westbrook's shooting bad, at least he's playing his absolute ass off. Paul George isn't doing anything. Um, question number two. Okay. In the history of the NBA, how many teams have been up 3-1 and gone on to lose the series? Not how many teams, how many times has it happened? Ever. Yeah. Okay. So this is going to take an analysis of, of the um, – varying levels of playoff series because there wasn't playoff series in the NBA until the late 60s. Then there was a change in playoff series in the 80s and 90s where they went to the five-game and then seven-game series. And then they went back to seven-game series for every round. I remember reading this. I know since they went back to the seven-game series, this was in the ESPN article I read this morning, since they went back to the seven-game series, I believe in 2003, I think there's been five occurrences of teams rallying from 3-1 deficits. I know the Pistons did it in 03. Pretty sure that Steve Nash's Phoenix Suns did it around 06. Okay. Uh, the 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 heart the best version of the Harden Rockets did it 2015. So five teams since then and I think that I remember the stat was um since 68 I think it's been um 11 times. And there was a, a couple of those were back in the day, and then you also had the times in the 90s. What's your number? 11. 11 total and 5 since 2003. 13 total. Oh, man. Very good. Very good. And the Denver Nuggets are the first team in the history of the NBA to do it twice in the same playoffs, and they've only been in two series. Oh, so it's 13 total because I didn't count the Nuggets. Yes. Oh, okay. Because there's 11 previous times, 13 counting the Nuggets because they did it twice in this postseason. That's right. Now, are you ready for this? I I do remember, though, I remember two definitive 
3-1 comebacks in the 90s because I remember I used to be like a closet New York Knicks fan because mm-hmm. I loved that team of just badasses. Anthony Mason, Charles Oakley, Latrell Sprewell, Larry Johnson. I remember they blew a sweet. they blew a three one lead to Alonzo Morning's Heat mm-hmm. uh, when Pat Riley was the coach. And I also remember when Akeem Olajuwon and that Rockets team came back against the Utah Jazz. I remember John Stockton hit a game winner to put the Jazz up three one, but then Eddie Johnson hit a game winner to force a game seven, and then the Rockets won and then ended up winning the NBA championship. That was probably actually the best Jazz team, and that would have been the time that Stockton and Malone could have got a chipper because Michael Jordan wasn't standing in the way. Well, uh, Doc Rivers, by the way, also has this ignominious distinction. He has coached three of the teams that were up 3-1 and went on to lose the series. Do you have another question for me? Because I have a question for you about Doc um, Rivers. You can ask me. I, I got one. It's not even a question. Okay. I just want to just have your lunch here, so to speak. Okay. I have a list in front of me of the uh, professional soccer leagues oh, man. in okay. Europe okay. and the countries that they oh, play, that, that, that they're in. You okay. know what I mean? Because each country has its own, yeah. you know, deal. Sure. What country is the Premier League in? What country is the Premier League in? Yes. England. Yes. Very good. I want that's it's important that you got that because that is got to be the easiest one. Yes. Okay. How about Syria? I don't know. Italy. Okay. This is the one I was I would completely I would have never known this one, but I've heard of the thing, so I thought I knew and then I found out I don't know. Bundesliga. Germany? That's what I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Austria. Bundesliga oh, is I mean, Austria. Close close just because of the language similarities, right? And the geographic location. Now I will I will give you some layups What's here. What's Austria like? Have you ever been there? I have. Is it so sweet? It is so sweet. Have yes. you gone skiing there? Yes, I have. I've dreamt of since I was a little kid of going skiing in Austria. I've gone to uh, St. Anton, Austria and ski I mean, if you are in the western portion of Austria you almost are required to ski because there's no other mode of transport. I mean, <laughs> right. you're just in the Alps right. doing it. So it's, I've been a loyal buyer of Austrian-made yes. skis my whole life. Um, the, uh, the Polish Professional League is oh. in Poland. Wow. The Football League of Kazakhstan. Oh, uh, yeah. What about La Liga? Spain. La Liga. I didn't get to La Liga. Yeah. You, uh, let's see. Is it Spain, though? Swiss Football League is Swiss. Spain, it just says Football Profesional. Okay, where's La Liga? La Liga has been between Spain and Italy or what? Would, would it be France? What's France? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I can't help you. Maybe La Liga is Brazil. Anyway, that was enlightening. What's your Doc <laughs> Rivers question? Should we save it for when we actually analyze this game seven? Okay. Or, yeah. or I guess you can, I'll, I'll ask it and you can think about it. Okay. Is, is Doc Rivers overrated? It's a good question. It's a fair question is what I'll say. Doc Rivers is as cool as the other side of the pillow. Mm-hmm. I think his presence in the NBA is important. I think he's an unbelievable leader just as a person. He's got a title. He's got perspective. But I also think that he's had he, – he's not a coach that coached an underdog team to a title. In fact, he's a guy that's had a bunch of really talented yep. teams and never been able to get them over the hump. Well, he did. He did with the Celtics, right? I mean, they – yeah. 
I, but I, I mean, I'm just saying. Well, you can't say never. Okay, I mean, they okay, did it. Okay, but no conference finals ever with the, during this run in L.A. when you have multiple Hall of Fame players. It, it, it's a it's a real question. Stutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. All right, you want wings? 361-3688. We got another set of them to give away. 361-3688. Wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern. You call, you get them. It's just that simple because we like you. Quick break on the other side. We are going to get into some high school sports around the state that are not football, specifically football. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot. Connect to more. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 129 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. I got a great wave going on today, Coulter. Couldn't find my... In your hair? My hair stuff, so I got a nice, like, uh, you know, thing going on here. feel very good about my bad self. If you want to... Uh, Get along with us. You can go on Twitter at Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN at Skyline Sports MT. You can also check out the YouTube channel, Tutel New One's YouTube channel, always available. You can watch live or you can watch later. It's like a podcast video all in one. People, they, they know about YouTube, right? Uh, Coulter, it's time I mean, for... You seem to gauge uh, the, the popularity of anybody solely on YouTube, so I think that... Uh, People know. Well, everybody in this day and age wants quantifiable, you know, how are you going to tell me who's more famous than this famous? You're always talking to me about how many records Michael Jackson sold. That's fine. It's fair. I'm just telling you, like, a billion views means you're not anonymous anymore. That is a fact. Sure, but it also doesn't mean our listeners know who you are. I mean, all right. It also assumes you know who our listeners are. Just catering to the great people of Missoula, they many are. of whom say hello to us they are while we're walking folks. down the street. Saw one of our loyal listeners today. If he's listening, I good to see you, man. The biggest indictment, by the way, of my theory on this, I happened to me yesterday. My son, who I rarely let touch my phone because he's come very close to factory rebooting the phone. You know what I mean? Where it's just, oh, you start again at zero. That's it. Well, then you have more data. Well, I would. Memory. I'd, I'd, what are you going to lose out there that is so sacred to you? I don't know. My ability to make a phone call. Still 50-50. In any case, yeah, good point. He uh, he wanted to watch somebody open a Spider-Man toy. He's into Spider-Man. So we, uh, yeah, so we opened the thing up. Eight-minute video, this kid opening a Spider-Man toy. 41 million views. And I'm sorry to The exploitation think- of the... Dopamine and serotonin receptors in your brain via <laughs> that sort of online activity, and the fact that you're trapping a kid who's not yet three years old into the addiction of craving those dopamine firings is should be illegal. Now, first, carry of all, on. You know, for you know, you know me that uh, the kid doesn't get the phone very often. I understand, but it still gets a little bit. So That's it's like right. doing drugs before you're even developed. No, it ain't. Uh, now, here is 
what I wanted to say to you, though, uh, Coulter, uh, let's start, do our prep extra segments. Brought to us by the Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank, your Montana bank since 1907. Hellgate is 6-0 and in, in boys' soccer this year. That may not be that surprising. In fact, it's not surprising. But being 6-0 and isn't even the most impressive number associated with the Hellgate boys' soccer team. They have won in six games 39-4. to I mean, that, there's nothing to be done with 39 to 4 in six games. I mean, that's like, that's like what is it, eight goals a game, seven, eight goals a game? Yeah, they're pounding people. And, and they're doing it in short order, too. I mean, when you watch the highlights of these games. Almost seven, yes. I mean, when you're watching the highlights of these matches, though, it's not just like they beat Helena Capital 6 nothing uh, last week, last weekend. Mm-hmm. You watch the highlights, they're up like 5 nothing. 25 minutes into the game. I mean, this is just a full-on assault. Do you think that, that I mean, you know, the rich get richer, that, that whole thing of a team that's really, really good like this that rolls out there and is up four or five goals and a half routinely, the amount of actual game experience that young players get sure. to have regularly just builds on itself, right? And so now all of a sudden, your freshmen and sophomores, when they're juniors and seniors, they... This is this is what we do, you know, and and they know how to do it. They're out there doing it. They've been doing it, you know. It's not like oh, you got a couple of minutes of garbage time once, you know, in the middle of the season. You're like you are playing 20, 30 minutes game in and game out almost, and and that's for you know your your you know your your, your deep bench guys. I don't know how many. What's the, is the substitution in high school the same as it is in like professional? I'm actually soccer? not sure. So, but nonetheless, I mean, you got kids that are that are that are having opportunities that on basically any opportunity any other team wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to. Yeah, and there's a pretty definitive thing going on in both boys and girls soccer at the AA levels. Club soccer has become so prevalent, prominent, and important yeah. in Montana that then you see, I mean, the three best cities in terms of club soccer programs in Montana are Missoula, Bozeman, and Billings. Yep. With open enrollment in Missoula, we talk about open enrollment and its effect on basketball and and football often, but it's also benefiting Hellgate in soccer, too. I mean, if you're a stud soccer player in Missoula, you're likely going to go to Hellgate, especially on the boys' side. But then you also see, I I think that's why right now in AA soccer, Hellgate is alone by far as the favorite in the West. And Bozeman and Billings Sr. are going to battle it out in the East. And by the way, Billing Senior, they are the last unbeaten team in the East. They moved to 5-0-1 with a 2-0 win over Bozeman over the weekend. And uh, that was Bozeman's first loss. But Bozeman's in pounding people, too. I mean, uh, we saw the, the the six goals and one half by one kid yeah. earlier this year for Bozeman. But it's, it's a direct correlation. If you're playing soccer year-round and you're playing for one of these great clubs that these cities have, and then you're parlaying that into then playing in your high school season, that's where the rich really get richer because you can have similar identities as the club team, and then all of a sudden you're playing with similar guys and you're rolling. You're playing year-round sports, and that's not really a, a, a possibility in almost any other sport in the state of Montana. And so I think that's why soccer has made this huge explosion. I mean, yeah. soccer is is it went from a very fringe sport in Montana to then legitimize probably first on the girls' side as a true place where you know Division One prospects are coming out of Montana. But now, both sides, good soccer being played in the state of Montana. 
Uh, Coulter, we move over to the track side or the cross-country side. The Western AA Invitational happened this weekend also up in Kalispell. And this is an interesting note because Missoula Sentinel, their boys, who are the reigning state champions, I guess because we didn't get a state championship in 2020, but Missoula Sentinel won its first boys state track and field championship since 1963 back yep. in 2019. But they did it on the strength of you know, Rylan Ort and his awesome javelin throwing, uh, Jaden Foster and his ability to score points in all the sprints. Sentinel was a throwing, like a, a throwing slash ru- sprinting and jumping team. The distances have always belonged to Hellgate when you talk about the Missoula level, and they've always belonged to Bozeman when you talk about the statewide level. But then at the Western AA invite, the Spartan boys, they finished first in a field of eight teams. They had 28 points, and they um, they outscored Missoula Hellgate. That's a big deal because if Sentinel's Distance program is rolling, and they can, and I, and this is this is could just be an anomalous early season result. But if Sentinel has better distances than Hellgate, and then they still have a lot of the same strengths that they did, and they do in the sprints for sure, because Jaden Foster is back, that's amazing. Mm. That that's a huge deal for. Excuse me, I guess Jaden Foster probably graduated because he was a junior in 2019, so he was probably out this year. Regardless, that's a different form of strength for Sentinel. So that could be something that you, if you can carry that into the spring could be huge for Sentinel because they're going to be really talented at the other events uh, when it comes to track and field. Uh, But if they have good distances, that'll be pretty impressive. Tanner Klumpf, by the way, he took top honors time of 16 minutes and 12 seconds. Girls' side, we talked about the lineage of of great distance runners in the state of Montana, Mm -hmm. and it seems as if the crown is passed. You know, just this century, I remember, you know, from Zoe Nelson through the Aragon sisters, then, you know, McKenna Morley, uh, th- there's been Annie Hill, there's been some really, really outstanding, Camilla Noe, Division One caliber, Power 5 even caliber runners, and it seems to me like Callie Hartnett's the next one. She she won state in cross country, and as well as some of the distance races in track and field as a sophomore at Helena High, and she's just pounding people right now mm. in cross country, man. I mean, in, in this race, she won this one by 12 seconds, which is a far cry from her one minute and one second win in the Queen City <laughs> duels. I, mean, I can't believe <laughs> right. you can win a race by a minute. That's just crazy, but 12 seconds itself is, is crazy, too. But on the uh, Missoula note, Kenzie May of Hellgate was second to Kylie Hartnett, uh, 1858, and then Sage Brooks from Hellgate was also third. So Hellgate girls cross country continues to be really strong. We had University of Montana interim head track and field coach Clint May on the ESPN roundtable a couple yep. weeks ago. If you missed that, check it out. Uh, but he had all sorts of glowing things to say about Hellgate. He said when he was at Bozeman High, he always considered Hellgate's running program to be the the peer to Bozeman, the one that could challenge the Hawks each and every year. And now he has a daughter that's running at Hellgate, and he had great things to say about Anders Brooker. And we know Anders as a guy that's been so huge in the running community, starting the runner's edge, being so involved in Missoula youth track as well as high school track. So um, Missoula Hellgate still continues to have the great distance running uh, prestige that they've had for quite some time. Stu Telenuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. This has been our prep extra segment. It's brought to us by the Farmer State Bank. Competitive wages, benefits, it's all there. Join the Farmers State Bank team. Learn more. Apply today. FarmersEbank.com. We'll take a quick break. Hour one of the books. Hour two straight ahead. Speaking of the roundtable, it is Wednesday. During the five o'clock hour, we always do the roundtable for you. And this week, very happy to have the first ever scholarship athletes, the Montana Lady Grizz, that are international players and they're playing at the same time. How about that? Naya Morris-Nelson and Lauren Mills coming up. Our ESPN Roundtable next. 
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 